Well, hey, TLC, what's up? My name is Adam, and I am the family pastor here at TLC. And uh, today is our family service here. So we've got a bunch of elementary, junior high, high school students. Can we give it up for our students today? And today we get to talk a little bit about the next generation. And with that, I thought I'd bring some of my favorite things when I was younger. Maybe some of you can resonate with this. One of my favorite things, some Legos. Who loves some Legos up in here? Love me some Legos. I know that some of you guys are like still full-grown adults and you've got that like Back to the Future Lego. I get it. I get it. I love it. Also, Nerf guns. I had Nerf guns when I was in junior high and high school. And now that I'm a youth pastor, I have an updated, upgraded version that fires something like this. Boom! Take down junior high and high school students at Nerf night in October. It is a blast. Another thing when I was growing up that I absolutely loved was jerseys. And I didn't plan this, I didn't plan this, but uh, my son Corbin's right there, stand up, he's right there, and he's wearing a jersey today. This is my old jersey, this is my old Jordan jersey, because I got to make sure he knows who the goat is, all right, got to make sure, uh, but also, I didn't realize this, but he's wearing a Michigan jersey. Last year, we got to go to our first Michigan game. I'm a Minnesota boy who became a Michigan fan in early junior high and now I live in, in Michigan, so it's fantastic. So uh, that's a little bit about me. Uh, truth is, you and I, we both, we pass on things that are important to us. Sometimes it's silly stuff like Legos and Nerf guns. And honestly, we have this opportunity, and maybe the most important thing that we can pass on to the next generation is not an awesome epic Lego set or a Nerf gun or a jersey, but it's what we came to believe, and how we came to believe it. I believe that that's the most important thing that we can pass on to the next generation. What it is that we believe in who God is and how great he is and how we came to believe it. And today I want to take a little, uh, a quick second just to share a little bit of my story because really what we want to do and what we do in our lives is we pass on our passion. Those things that we're passionate about, we pass them on. It just flows out of us. And I want to tell you a quick little story about me and uh, somebody who passed on their passion to me. See, I wasn't the, I wasn't the kid who grew up in church. Uh, I was far from it. only went to church a handful of times when I was in elementary school and junior high. But I had a friend of mine, his name was Josh, who... In the midst of tragedy that struck in our home, I found myself hanging out there a lot more, hanging out there. And I remember kind of months into me hanging out with Josh, his dad yelled down to us while we were playing video games in the basement, another passion I had, Super Nintendo was epic, amazing. We were playing NBA Live 95, so that dates me a little bit, NBA Live 95, and his dad said this, his dad said, hey, I'll make a deal with you, you guys can play video games as long as you want as long as you come to church tomorrow, to which I said, I can do that. I've slept through a lot of services before. I'll do it again. And so had no idea what was going to begin. That was an invitation. The next day I went to church, and it was the first time that I went to church that I felt like somebody cared that I was there. It was the first time that I went to church where I heard music, worship music, and it actually was kind of cool, and I enjoyed it. And the person who was teaching was actually my best friend's dad. He was the pastor of the church. 
And so it was this amazing opportunity for me to, for the first time, begin to hear and understand God. And you just saw that local loop card. Let me just say this to you really quick. That invitation was the beginning of my transformation. That invitation, that simple invitation, hey, make a deal with you, come to church with me tomorrow, was the beginning of my transformation. And I got to see God and who God was before I experienced him at Josh's house through his family. And from that, that point forward, God just began to move and shape my heart. It wasn't until about four years later to which I may ultimately made that decision that changed my life to be able to begin a relationship with Jesus. And I remember that night saying, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, with tears flowing down my face, whatever it is you want me to do, God, I'm in. To which it felt as if God said to me so clearly that day, Adam, what I have done in your life, I want you to do in the lives of students of the next generation. And I said, let's go. And it has been a journey ever since to be able to see God do absolutely amazing things through incredible parents and leaders and see students stand up and rise up to begin to follow Jesus. See, because somebody passed on their passion for God to me, so I had something that I could pass on to the next generation. Someone passed it on to me, and the truth is, somebody passed it on to you, and it was all about how great God was. One of my favorite chapters in the book of Psalms is in Psalm 145, and it says, it says this in Psalm 145, talking all about the greatness of God and our response to it. It says, one generation will praise your works to another and will declare your mighty acts. One generation will praise your works to another, and they're going to declare your mighty acts. See, that is what our response to what God has done in our life is. It's not just supposed to be something we hold on to, but something we extend to the next generation. Someone passed that on to me. And someone passed that on to you. Who is that person or those people in your life? Was it your parent or a relative or was it a church leader or a mentor or a Sunday school teacher? Was it a teacher or was it a coach? Somebody likely passed on their passion to you in hopes that it wouldn't end with you, but it would begin to be passed on more and more. But as I was thinking through this and studying some, a specific story, I asked myself the question, but what if they didn't? What if... What if my, my friend's parents didn't invite me to church? What if those people had a passion for God, but they didn't pass it on? Well, today I want to tell you a story, maybe a, a verse that over the course of the last about six weeks or so has almost haunted me. And uh, it's, from, it's, from, uh, it's from the book of Judges at the end of Joshua's life. We've been stu we studied the book of Joshua a few months ago and just who he was and all that God did in the midst of that generation. And it says this specifically about that generation. It says, the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him, who had seen all the great things that he had done for Israel. Everyone say seen. Everybody say seen. That is important. That word is important. It said they had seen all of the great things 
These people had firsthand experience of things that God had done for his people. They had seen the great things, the greatness of God. In the midst of their actual lives, they saw God's hand at work in powerful ways. There was one problem. And that problem affected the generation after them. See, after the generation of Joshua died, it says this just a few verses later in verse 10. It says, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And basically, in other words, it said they they died and they were buried. And here's that verse. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Let me read that again. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Wait, what? I mean, how is this even possible? All of the great things that this generation had seen, they saw God raise up a prostitute to save his people. And yet there still arose another generation who didn't know the Lord and the work that he had done for Israel. These people saw the Jordan River part in half. They walk on dry land into the promised land that God had prepared for them. And there arose the generation after Joshua's that did not know the Lord or what he had done for Israel. I mean, these people saw the walls of Jericho plummet to the ground with just simply the sound of a trumpet. And the next generation didn't know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. These people had seen their leader, Joshua, pray the boldest prayer that maybe anybody ever could, asking God to cause the sun to stand still in the sky. Think about what that would take so that they could win a battle. And it happened. And still there arose another generation who didn't know the Lord or the work that he had done in Israel. See, there was a disconnect between what they saw and what they shared. There was a disconnect between what they saw God do and what they shared with the next generation. That's the problem. See, and this wasn't just this wasn't just laziness or apathy. This was flat out disobedience. This was disobedience. In the book of Deuteronomy, this uh, now we call uh, it's this prayer called the Shema. It starts this way. It says, "Hear," and that word "hear" is really like listen and obey. Hear, O Israel, God's people, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you are to be on, today are to be on your hearts. It's supposed to be something that changes us, something that we see, and then a life that we live. But it's not supposed to end with it being on and in our hearts. Listen to what he says next. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. See, this wasn't just something that was supposed to just be for us. It was supposed to be extended to the next generation. It wasn't just something that we saw. It was something that these people were intended to share. And it seems as if they did not do that because it said, 
they did not know the Lord. That could just simply mean that they didn't obey God. But the next text seems to say very clearly, or the works that he had done. They hadn't heard the stories of the greatness of who this God was. And in verse 12 of Judges chapter 2, Scripture describes that they, that, that generation, the generation after Joshua's, abandoned the Lord. And they began to worship all these other gods. There was a disconnection between what they saw and what they shared. And let me just make sure that you catch this because this hit me home. It only took one generation of people not sharing what they saw for the next generation to turn away. One generation. That's it. That's what scared me. That's what scared me. Because the truth is, is they had to have passed something on. They had to have passed on something. The question is, I guess, in reality, it, wasn't, it just wasn't like the greatness of God. Maybe they were passing on the greatness of their leader, Joshua. Maybe they were passing on the greatness of their army. But they forgot one key component. The God who was there the whole time. At least they didn't share that part of the story. And so that caused me to really ask a core and key question for me. It's not an easy question to ask, but I think it's vitally important. No matter where you're at, no matter what age you are, as we all can impact the next generation, it's just those that are younger than us. The question is, what are we passing on? What are we saying to the next generation? Maybe a better question is, if that verse were to be shared about us at TLC, what would it say? Would it say something like, and there arose a generation who was too busy looking at their phones that they forgot how to look for God? Or maybe it's, there arose a generation who loved money so much they left God in the dust. Or maybe there arose a generation who made sports an idol to be worshiped. Or maybe there arose another generation who talked more about the gossip of the day than the God of the universe. Or there arose a generation who found their way to church on occasion but didn't share much about Jesus anywhere else. Or there arose a generation who is more concerned about what they looked like on the outside and on social media than what was going on in their soul on the inside. Or there arose a generation who was too busy serving themselves to share with others. Friends, if I were to be really honest with you, when I even think about those statements, those, those hit really close to home for me. Because the reality is, as I look back and as I think about, even with my kids in the room right now, Man, it's easy for me to talk about so many other things, to share so many other things, to express passion for so many other things and wanting them to catch that, that maybe, just maybe, my kids might be missing the very most important thing that we have to offer to them, which is to share and to show the greatness of God to the generation that needs to know it. 
It's so easy for us to be so busy or so consumed or be so distracted that we miss out on the very thing that I believe God would love for us to make such a huge difference in. But what if there arose another generation? What if there arose a generation of students and youth in this place who had parents that were so deeply invested in their kiddos that they couldn't help but see God in the midst of their everyday life? What if parents devoted prayer and created space for prayer and they practiced gratitude and generosity together as a church or together as a family and, and these students got to see what that looked like? and got to hear their parents talk about it? What if there arose a generation of students who saw their parents reading the actual Bible, and they saw and recognized the priority that parents put in this, thinking to their kids, maybe I should actually open this thing up. Or maybe there could arise a generation in which parents, when they drop their kids off to school or drop them off to the bus, they're speaking truth over them about who they are before they enter into one of the most challenging places to find their identity. And they would speak truth like, remember, you are a child of a loving God. You're a child of the king. You're a princess and you're a prince. What if there were parents who invested this way? And what if there were kids that saw parents who had this genuine, authentic, real faith that was open about the fact that it's not always easy and it's challenging. And when they made mistakes, they asked for forgiveness. That's what this generation needs. They need to see people who have real faith, not just having it for themselves, but sharing it with those around them. For families to see God sightings and to celebrate it for parents to acknowledge that it wasn't because of just their hard work that they got the promotion, but it was because of what God had done or that God provided that house because he is faithful and he is good, that we would redirect things that could give us the glory and we as parents give God the glory instead. That begins to change a generation. It begins to change perspective. But what if there arose a generation that wasn't just parents? What if there arose a generation of people who opened up their homes just like the Hulk family did to me. What could that begin to look like? Truthfully, we have an entire church and so many people even in this room that are pursuing foster and adoption. And we are opening our homes to people who needed it, to, to kids who needed that place to go where they could have a home and they could have a family and they can see and experience the love of God. That is the most beautiful picture of opening their homes in TLC. It's happening in our midst. There are so many families that have that passion about the next generation that they're willing to literally open their lives, their homes, and their families for these kiddos. And what if people open their homes like, like Matt and Lori Kriegar that are in here somewhere, uh, who just started this backyard Bible club. It's called Girls Only. It's called Girls Club, actually. It's called Girls Club, and there's a handful of girls that for the first time got a Bible just a couple weeks ago, and they're opening it because Lori was changed in a backyard Bible club, and so she's opening her home to do the same. She's passing on the passion that was given to her. Or what if there are people like my mother-in-law, Roxanne, who 
Gosh, she's just like a saint. She's crazy. She's an amazing woman. And she had a next-door neighbor, a young boy. His name was Grayson. Been next-door neighbors all of their life. And she always, he always comes over for a cookie. Cookies? Cookies, get them. Comes over for a cookie. And for some of those moments, uh, for some of those moments, my mother-in-law, Roxanne, would create teachable moments. She's a kindergarten teacher, and she's just amazing at this. She'd have a little craft or teachable moment that would share Grayson a little bit of Jesus' love for him. And it's happened year after year after year. And this last fall, last September, she was sharing one of those stories about a pumpkin. Grayson made a decision to follow Jesus because she opened her home and opened her heart to a kid who wouldn't have had that otherwise. That impacts a family. That impacts a generation. And what if there were people at TLC that would parent their kids and open their homes and give of their time in a way that would say, we're about the next generation. Friends, we have more than 50 leaders that serve our kids in youth ministries every single week who are saying, I want to be about the next generation in that kind of practical way. I want to partner with parents, and I want to care for them so that there can be that. And in fact, many of those leaders, many of them right here in the front row, are sitting right in front of us who are serving, who are students. We have from second graders to 60-year-olds. It's beautiful. Anybody and everybody in between that serves. We have couples that serve together. We have siblings that serve together. We have moms and sons that serve together. It is a beautiful picture of investing in the next generation because it's not just us as adults that pass it on, but as students, we pass it on to those that are younger as well. We have the Belong Project in Kenoshe in which we say that we want to care for and provide a backpack or, or a bag for kids that are in need, that are transitioning into foster care adoption. We have Kenneshe School that we're saying we want to invest in these teachers who are investing in the next generation. We want to shower them with love and show them the love of God. And we have people like Torin, who just yesterday or just a few days ago gave up a bunch of his time, doesn't have a lot of it, to be able to go to Grand Valley to be a chaplain for the Grand Valley football team. It's whatever, whatever it looks like. We are a church, and it's beautiful, and this is why I love being a part of this church. This is why I was willing to to move across the country, because this is a church that is genuinely about the next generation. The truth is, if you're a part of this church, you have a part to play. My question for you to consider is, what is your part? What does it look like for you? What does it look like for you in a small way or a big way? to pass on that passion that God has given to you. A couple years ago, I saw this uh, video that my father-in-law sent to me um, that literally changed me so much, I went from being a lead pastor to back into uh, kids and youth ministry. And it was this single question that was so compelling for me. So take a quick look at this video. This is the thing I want to bother you. What What is the faith of the next generation worth? Everything. That's all I need you to see. What is the faith 
of the next generation worth. For me, when I asked that, when Andy Stanley asked that question, before he could say that word out loud, my answer was everything. And it stirred me so much that said, if that's my answer, then I should probably go after it with everything that I have. And that's why I'm here as a family pastor at TLC, is because I believe that the faith of the next generation is worth everything. Because if the next generation doesn't have what we've experienced, then we've missed it completely. I don't want that verse in Judges chapter 2, verse 10 to be anything that even comes close to defining this next generation that's coming up. I believe that we, there could arise a generation of people that would stand up and they would share their faith in powerful ways. Like Livy, like Livy Glaze did when she created a devotional and we got to see it come alive and all of our students got to have one of these when they went to camp, a 16-year-old student who's passing on her faith to her peers and to the generation that's coming before them. It's, it's our high, some of our high school girls who are using their Instagram platform to be able to share devotionals for their friends so that they could experience a little bit of the goodness of God. It's students inviting their friends to church. And it's students like Tayton right here up front who's leading in worship every single week by how he worships. See, the next generation is worth everything to me. And they are so worth investing in because God loves them like crazy. And I want to make sure that we are a church that shows them that same kind of love and that we are willing to do whatever it takes. See, our mission as a church is we're a multiplying church helping the next generation fall in love with Jesus, to create better futures. It's what we're designed to do. It's what we're built to do, and it's happening. But I believe that if it's happening, then God is going to continue to bring more and going to continue to bring more opportunities for us to care for and bless them. So what is your part to play? See, as long as TLC exists, there will always be a place for the next generation because you and I are a part of it. I believe that that's fruit that can last. It's seeing the greatness of God and sharing that with the world, sharing that with the next generation. That's what creates future fruit. And that is the power to multiply exponentially. Because that text in Psalm 145, one generation will praise your works to another and they will declare your mighty acts. Church, let's be that for the next generation. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for each and every person that is here and each and every person that's watching online. God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts what you might have us to do, what our response might be uh, to this generation that you are raising up. God, because they are not just the generation of tomorrow, they are the generation that is with us and among us today, but what they are is the leaders of tomorrow. And so I pray that you would use us as your church to prepare them to be able to lead the church of tomorrow and to care for them and to show them your greatness, to not just know it for ourselves, but to share it with them, God. We pray that you would do amazing things and we would just simply stand in awe, all the things that you are doing. God, thank you so much for the students and the youth and the kiddos that are here at TLC. I pray that they would know and feel that we care for them, that we love them, 
and that they feel welcomed and noticed and known in this place. That they would grow up to be incredible men and women of God who follow you with all of their heart. God, we thank you because you're the one who does it and we need your help. But we pray that you would do it. In Jesus' name, amen.